This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri, Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Exciting to be back. You know, the season is flying on by. It is going 100 miles an hour. I'm finding myself already looking ahead, like counting the weekends I have available and coming to that realization that I'm not going to get to every body of water I want to get to. I'm not going to get after every single fish I want to catch, but I'm going to make the most of every single day I've got. How about you, Anthony? Yeah, kind of the same. I've been trying to pencil in the calendar for weekends and where we're going to be taking some trips. I know uh, a lot of that's Mother Nature dependent. We've got some uh, weather on the horizon that might influence uh, the short term, but hopefully after that, we've got some nice weather on the horizon. And, you know, before you know it, we'll be turning the page on some of that March and nice weather and late ice. And yeah, like you said, the season's just been flying by. It is going really, really fast. Before we jump in, and I don't mean to, to keep our guest waiting here, but Anthony, you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff over there with the Fish Addictions crew. Give us an update what you and your team are doing. Yeah, so as part of Fish Addictions this season, we've been doing a competition-style um, show, basically, and every week it's kind of an update of what the, the teams are up to. It's two-person teams, and I'm teamed up with my partner, Chris Rothmeyer, and we're taking the three biggest fish of any of the 13 species that we kind of identified as being able to target through the ice in our area, and it's been an interesting challenge one, we're targeting some fish that we don't target very often. I just caught my first rainbow trout through the ice this past weekend, so that was really cool. And two, you're trying to target the larger specimen in each category. You're not just going out trying to catch as many as you can. So it, it's a different mindset. It adds a different wrinkle to how I've been fishing this winter, but it's been a lot of fun. We've, I would say, crossed off about eight of the 13 species so far, and, you know, taking the lead in a couple of them, but every time we seem to take a lead, one of the other teams jumps back in. So it, it keeps it interesting. We wouldn't want it to be a blowout now, would we? We want to keep it interesting. We want to keep it fun. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're trying to decide how we can get the snow bear out of Mike's hands. Cause we feel, you know, he's got a little bit of an advantage right now, but uh, we'll, we'll make sure to try and keep up on him and keep on his heels. Hey, Anthony, if folks want to listen, if they want to look the the videos you guys are doing, where can they go find these? Yeah, absolutely. Check us out on YouTube. All the videos are posted there. Um, it's been about once a week, once every 10 days. Uh, we've been trying to get an update out, and then those get shared across Facebook and social media, so check them out there as well. But it's been really fun. Love to get the feedback from people, what they think of this style. Um, you know, it's a lot of different anglers have done competition-style videos, and so, you know, it's been really fun to try and put that wrinkle into what we've been doing. That is awesome. I'd highly recommend going out and taking a peek because these guys are fun, they're entertaining, and they're darn good sticks at the same time. So uh, check that out. Uh, let's jump into it. Let's uh, let's get right to it here. And we're excited. We are going to talk tonight about one of our favorite places to visit, a place that's pretty near and dear to all of our hearts here. And uh, we want to welcome Johnny Neveri. Manitoba angler, Manitoba outdoor enthusiast, and uh, all-around great guy, part of our Eskimo team here. 
Uh, welcome to Shack Talk. Thanks, guys. Pleasure being here. Lots of fun having you here. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I know a lot of us have seen the pictures. We've seen the fish that you're catching up there on Big Windy, and we follow you along from uh, some of those aspects. But tell us about yourself. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, my name's Johnny. I'm a, I'm a, like, my career is a firefighter medic with the city of Winnipeg, but uh, got into the outdoors. My dad actually immigrated here from Italy. He just fell in love with the nature and the wildlife here, and, uh, yeah, just kind of gave me the itch to to be outdoors and I just kind of got started going that way and then uh, I think I got it a little bit worse than him and uh, so took it a step further and just started going even more and he usually uh, never stepped on the ice because you know Italian guys don't really like the the cold weather but uh, I, I kind of ventured out there and yeah I just it, it started an addiction and now it just keeps going and going and going and it's, it's the next goal after the next goal and after the next goal so yeah that's just kind of what gives your passion that drive and uh, to keep you going after more things. That's awesome. I know you guys have a really good crew of guys, a team of guys, the team Eskimo up there in Manitoba. You know, tell us about, you know, how you guys communicate through the season, you guys working together, going out on bites, chasing things. I know you and uh, some of the team up there have a lot of fun out on the ice. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, Matt, Matt Brown's awesome. He's uh, kind of the lead guy. So uh, he'll always keep us uh, in the loop with the, the new products coming out and, and kind of what we want to showcase and all that stuff. And uh, just the features that we're trying to focus on, especially up here in Big Windy, like we got some pretty bad temperatures and some pretty bad ice out here. So usually the, the rule is if it lasts out here in uh, Lake Winnipeg, then it's good to go anywhere else. <laughs> so that's kind of the running joke. So um, yeah, so he kind of keeps us uh, in tune with all the new products coming out and what they're looking to do and uh, get some feedback on uh, on what we want to do. Then, you know, we got Carlo Guzzi and uh, Joe Mar. We all kind of get into intertwine and talk to each other, see where the fish are, see where, how they're behaving, how they're acting, kind of just throw ideas off each other in certain areas. And yeah, just kind of... We, we got the same goal in mind, right? We just want to have uh, have fun, take guys out. And uh, you know what? In the past couple of years, I've noticed it's not really much us anymore. It's kind of spreading that passion, that joy with other people. So, you know, either that be our, our friends that don't ice fish as much or, or bringing their kids and, and getting, getting them on a, a master walleye, that's kind of what brings joy to us. So as long as we can help each other out and kind of the same thing with the guides up here, everyone's kind of intertwined, talking to each other and trying to, you know, lead them in the right direction. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's just the nature of the business. So it just keeps us going. Isn't that fun? I mean, truly, you know, uh, we want to fuel our own passion, but when you get to that point, you kind of, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's just, you get to that point where you love doing what you're doing, but then it's also the love of sharing it with other people and and introducing to the sport. That's so cool. Uh, And you have a lot to share in Manitoba. You guys have, I mean, just unbelievable resources. And I grew up, I, I grew up fishing around here in the Midwest, in the U.S. and here in the States. And, and I felt like I had lots of great experiences. But about 15 years ago, some guys from our walleye club here in Fargo, they were affiliated with Lund Boats. And they, they had a group of guys going to Big Windy. And having never been there, it was kind of a leap of faith. But that lake is something else. And as so many people are going up there now, what's kind of the, what's the perspective of the locals, Johnny? That's, um, you know, you've got a lot of folks coming up from the States. You've got a lot of folks from in province that are now fishing up there. What do, what do people think? You know, to be honest, I've never heard a bad thing about people coming up here. It's more of uh, when, when you see all these plates, North Dakota, all, Minnesota, all these plates coming up here, it's actually 
it's actually a, a joy for us. Like, you know, you got all these guys that are coming up with huge trucks, trailers, snow bears, uh, every single equipment on the ice. And, and to fuel those guys to keep coming back to our province, that's, that's a nice thing. And, and we talk to them on the ice and they have problems finding fish and they ask us our suggestions and we always try to lead them in the right way. And, you know, last year also, there was a, a group of guys from uh, North Dakota and they says, we cannot find a walleye. Like it is, and yeah, sometimes it is a tough, yeah. a tough lake and they're on the water for about three days and they said, we're having a difficult time. So, you know, made a couple phone calls, found a pot in about six feet of water and they were kind of like, no, you're not leading us in the right place. Like six feet of water in a wall. I said, you know, sometimes they sit there. Like, so I said, you know, join us. We're going down there. We, we drilled holes all around the area and scanned it. And two of the guys got masters. One was a 28 and a quarter and one was just shy of a 29 and they were ecstatic. You know, so that's just kind of, we, we, we love guys coming up here and having a good time. And, and it's the only place in the world you can catch a greenback walleye, you know. And when you see that emerald green color coming out of the water, it's just something that you don't really see anywhere else. It's just, you, you never get sick of it. So. It's pretty <laughs> special, isn't it? And yeah. so I, I want to ask this question because, you know, obviously we've had a, a period of time where, um, Lake Winnipeg and Manitoba was extremely popular and then boom, you know, the border closes, we've got COVID and all this stuff that goes along with that. People weren't going back and forth for a couple of years. And even, I mean, even last year you could go back and forth, but there are certain requirements and testing and all that stuff. It's finally open. What, what's that like to see people back up there now, uh, using the resource? It's, it's kind of a funny mix. So when, when COVID kind of came, you, you got that stoppage of all the, all the guys from the States coming up, but it seemed like everybody just got into ice fishing. You got shacks sold out across all the Cabela's, all Lake of the Woods. You couldn't find anything. And it was any Joe Blow just saying, we can't do anything. We can't go out. So might as well get into fishing. So you actually saw villages on the ice. And it was people that never really fished before, which was nice. You saw these, you know, people out there and it was just a different version of it right so you saw families that are going out saying yeah we can't go out we can't associate with anything else we can't really have events so might as well get into something else so you saw these families and these outings there those are the people that are coming back on the ice but it was it was a tough year and tough couple of years actually for all the guides and all those businesses and hotels and and you know like the tourism attractions right so that it was a difficult time for them so for us it, it felt bad in that regards right so i know they tried to you know lower their prices just to kind of get locals to go with them and and you know it, it kind of seemed like a lot of guys are trying to help each other out but at the end of the day it, once those borders opened like that was just it, it, it needed to be done and i know a lot of the guys from the states were happy that it was done too and same with us like i want to go to rainy river for surgeon and i i was shut down for a couple of years too so thank you know i got i got my trip planned this spring but uh it, it was the same for us we want to go down south sometimes too and we were blocked off too so it's the the, the pain was both sides <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah, no, it's been, uh, I think it's been a, an interesting dynamic with seeing the influx of people into the sport. I know you mentioned it, uh, you know, we've seen it down here too. And I think, you know, it's been really fun to kind of see that continue to grow. I know a lot of people that got into ice fishing are still sticking with it. And I'm hoping that, you know, as many that, that started, we can keep that, uh, you know, keep that rate improving and moving forward and, you know, don't lose too many of those people. And, I know we've talked about it before on the podcast. Once you get them started, they, they might take a break from a while, but they'll come back yeah, to it. Exactly. And so yeah. everything, everybody gets busy with things. And now that sports and things are back in motion, things are getting a little busy, but at least they got the taste of it. And hopefully they'll be back. Yep, exactly. 
So for those people who might not know it, and I know this is probably a silly question, Johnny, but uh, talk about greenbacks. You mentioned it's the only place in the world in Lake Winnipeg you can catch a greenback. If there's somebody out there living under a rock who's not familiar with what that means, tell us about it. So you you got to see it in person, but to start, you can look at pictures. That's what I'll say. So uh, they are, depending on the time of year, you catch them in, in March or late February, they literally look like a football. Like they are full of eggs. You're catching 13, 14 pound fish. They can get up to 32 inches in the lake. Uh, emerald pearlescent green back. It is just something that is mesmerizing when you're looking at it. Uh, Kyle might be a soft spot. I know you're still trying to chase your 30 inch, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so it, it, 29 and three quarters looks kind of the same, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, you know, the, the sheer size of these things when they're coming up an eight inch hole and you're thinking that this thing might not fit up this hole is, is something else. They are a spectacular, spectacular thing to see. And uh, to know that it's only a Manitoba thing in Lake Winnipeg from the limestone of the lake, that's, it's just something special that we got in Manitoba that even people in Manitoba don't even know about it. You know, we, we'll take guys out and say, okay, we're going to catch Reed Greenback. So what's that? It's a walleye, but it's different. And they'll say, well, I've never seen this. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's right in your lake. Like it's here your whole time. So even, even us, you know, a lot of the locals that don't, that don't fish a lot, it's, it's new to them. And once they see it, they're just in awe. Yeah, no, it's a pretty cool thing to experience the first time you see one. And especially if the sun is out, like you said, that, emerald pearlescent green is something that's just something that you don't get to see anywhere else you talked a little bit about before we got on the the podcast tonight the the bite up on big windy this year talk a little bit about that how are things going you know do you think things will kind of turn around like you said that february march time frame is really when things seem to kick off a little bit too yeah so generally in the past seasons i find that there's kind of a lull in in, in the january time um it, could that be because of weather patterns or, or the, the bad conditions? Who knows? But the thing is, this year has been so different for us in, in regards to weather. Like, we've had minus 5 Celsius in January, which we never see. We're in sweaters out there, which we're, we're not used to that, and probably the walleye aren't either. But uh, we, we've been noticing a super high volume of bait fish. No matter where you're drilling, you're finding bait fish. And the concentration of pods are very different this year, I find. Uh, they're congregating in certain areas for a matter of hours, then they'll start moving a lot more. So what, what we're trying to, we're, we're kind of seeing is that there's so much bait fish that the bite's kind of lethargic this year. And it seems like it, heading into February, March is obviously your March madness and your hot times. And they start getting a little bit heavier onto the bites, you know, uh, trying to put on the weight for, for the springtime and all that stuff. But, uh, it, it has been a different year for us. And, and it's not that we're not marking fish. We're marking big fish. It's just that they don't want to commit. So it's, we, we're still trying to figure out, we're still trying to pattern them. You're still seeing big fish being caught, but not the numbers that we used to see. And so we're hoping that that's going to turn up, but, um, it, it's not the population because you can come and catch eaters all day long, all day long. And you get that one big guy to commit. And we pulled out 29, 29, three quarters. There's a lot more bigger fish coming out of the rivers this year. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just trying to find them and trying to be on them and trying to find their patterns. So it's just all part of the game. You know, and one of those 28 inches, I mean, you, they can easily go 10, 11 pounds at 28 mm -hmm. inches. And so, no. I mean, these, e even though it might not be a 30 inch, which, yeah, I haven't caught one, but I've had Lee, I've I've had the privilege of landing a few of them and watching a few nice thirty inches be released back into the lake. But even those, you know, twenty eight, twenty nines are just monsters. Oh yeah, and yeah. and beautiful, beautiful fish. 
what's your speculation? So you think that's just a seasonal thing this year, maybe a little different pattern or nuance, or could, could there be a possibility that zebra mussels are having an effect on the bite on the lake or, or what, what might it be? You know, there's kind of talks on that, and uh, in, in regards to to the fisheries and, and, the, and the zebra mussels on the on how it's doing to the walleye population. You know, you talk to the commercial guys; they don't see a big downfall in the population of walleye. So I can't say it's it's contributing to that factor because the walleye numbers are still there. The commercial fishermen are still there; they're still getting the the walleye limits, and they're they're not saying, "Oh, we've seen a drastic decrease." So I can't say it's a population issue. Um, yeah, like I've talked to a couple of guides and, and they're kind of saying the same things that they're just finding pods that are scattered uh, and and the transition of, you know, before it used to be always salty, salty, salty. Now they're finding a lot of liveys are the way to go. So a lot of dead stick presentations mm-hmm. um, just with the livey, a little bit more action in that regards. And uh, yeah, so it, it, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it, but uh, that's kind of just how, how it goes sometimes. <laughs> it's part of the game, right? Figuring it out. Yeah, and exactly. it seems like every year the bite is, you know, trying to figure it out, right? Whether it's a, a big rattle baits or spoons or, like you said, dead sticking. It seems like every year there's a little nuance that you kind of have to figure out. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about, um, I noticed now that uh, there's some nighttime activity out on the lake, uh, letting people stay on the lake now and, and do some of that stuff. Talk us through that. Yeah, so there used to be regulation where there couldn't be any overnights on the lake. Um, we did have a, a little bad incident a couple of years ago where a, a couple did pass away just because the carbon monoxide and all that stuff filled up in their tent, which, you know, they're obviously, you know, the carbon monoxide alarms and all that stuff to kind of, help you in those regards but it was just kind of something that was always frowned upon and not allowed and they changed those regulations so now it's kind of nice for the guys that have like like canuck outfitters has a, a big enclosed trailer where it's basically like an ice castle on the lake and you can stay there and and, and fish that and there has been an evening bite picking up quite lately now um especially on the red too like right on the river instead of even on the lake so a lot of guys are liking that aspect of it you know stay the whole night you can put your rods in take a nap you know watch tv whatever you want to do in those nice setups there and uh, you're yeah. comfortable especially hiding from the weather in the in the nighttime conditions but uh yeah it seems like there is a there is a sunset bite that's been uh, pretty hot in the past couple of weeks so guys are kind of happy going in that regards and now they can just sleep on the ice and and have, make it make a night of it that's awesome you know when you see something new like that blossom that maybe hasn't been hasn't been found or hasn't been there at all in the past uh Lots of neat stuff like that. Maybe, and we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but let's just talk a little bit about crossing the border and coming up to Manitoba. So whether it's whether it's Lake Winnipeg or any of the other lakes, I mean, there's there's thousands of lakes where mm-hmm. we can go fishing in Manitoba, but crossing the border to and from the states, uh, at least my, in my experience, it's 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 opened up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, before, it, it kind of just seemed like every month there was a new regulation, kind of decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. You know, especially with before with the passports, no passports, and then you know the COVID testing and all that stuff. And kind of seems like it's kind of minimizing, which makes it a lot easier for guys crossing over, which is nice. Um, even when the borders did open, it kind of seemed like a hassle with the with the testing that you got to do before, the testing you got to do after, and, and it's costly too, right? Like before, it's it's out of your own pocket, so. Now it seems like it's kind of just uh, kind of back to normal, realistically, um, back to the good old days where you can just cross the border, come fishing, and then uh, you're on your way. So no more PCR tests and all that stuff. Yeah, I know when I came up in October, uh, came up to, to fish the Greenback Championship in, in Pine Falls, crossing the border, you know, like you said, no test, no, no app that you need. It's just a normal passport. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was certainly pleasant for us, but 
I noticed it with the the border agents. I mean, they seemed relieved too because they could do their job and not have all the other things encumbering them to get in the exactly. way. And it actually went really, really smooth and really easy. I was I was really happy about that. So uh, that's a good sign for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So yeah, it's uh, as long as we kind of keep moving in the right direction and kind of do it that way and uh, minimizing any other issues in regards to that. So that's all we can do. <laughs> I know we talked a lot about Big Windy, and rightfully so. It's one of the the main attractions just because of its, you know, geographic location. It's easy to get to from the States. But talk us through some of the other lakes in the area, um, other lakes that you frequent. I know there's, you know, obviously you got some of the provincial parks to the north that have a lot of great fishing opportunities. You get to see the other guys on the Manitoba staff. I know uh, Jay and Clayton and some of those guys were just up at Baker's Narrows, which is way up on the northern end there and mm-hmm. getting into them big lakers but talk us through some of the other opportunities out there yeah so like jay and uh jay and clay with awesome awesome uh, additions to the the hunt fish manitoba um wicked videographers the stuff those guys do is unbelievable and a really good really good way to showcase our province um like like you kind of mentioned up in flint Fawn, you got lake athapap big big body of water and big big lake trout so that's a that's a hot attraction especially baker's narrows you got beautiful accommodations there um just a little bit further south you got the paw we got Clearwater, another beautiful beautiful large lake if you've never been there in the ice go in there open water it is crystal clear you can see down 80 90 feet it is unbelievable so when you see these lake trout coming up in you know 50 feet of water and it just looks like a shark coming down and you can see it fully perfectly it is something something to see yeah so we got uh yeah those for big lakers we got the parkland areas we got the the duck mountain areas we got big big uh rainbow trouts in there we got the uh, brookies uh obviously they're all the trouts aren't native to our area so uh they're all stock lakes but uh you can catch a huge huge blimp of a of a, of a rainbow trout head up still in the in the par area you got barbie lake which is a really really big rainbow trout area also brown trout in there you got rocky which is all small about like we we got an abundance of everything then you got the caddy lake chains right you got all their big crappy 15 16 inch crappy in that section of water and yeah there's anywhere you turn and then you just got lake of the woods hop skipping to jump over to ontario right so then you got yep. lakers big pike you got buffalo point for big pike uh athapap holds big big fish too like i caught a 46 inch pike up there on my last hour <laughs> up there wow. that was on the outdoor canada magazine front cover so yeah that was kind of a fluke of a fish last hour hey let's just kind of give it a last hurrah and yeah that came out of the water so yeah just we got water everywhere with big fish anywhere like it's there is an abundance of stuff up here some of the f- facilities the bait stores the the um, places you have to support anglers, the, the lodging. I mean, just in the 15 years I've been going out there, there's just been a whole blossoming tourism industry to help support the folks that are enjoying Manitoba. Maybe just talk a little bit about that and, and how that's supported economically a, a, a lot of jobs and things like that in the province. Yeah, so if, if you look, at, it touches based on everything from some border services all the way to accommodations, right? You got... Uh, you're crossing the border. You got fuel gas stations. You got bait shops. You got hotels that you're going to. You got gas stations. You got guides. You got lure companies. Like it is, and and that's what's nice when we see guys come up is it it is bringing a lot of uh, tourism and stuff to Manitoba, and it is helping the economy, and that's kind of the big thing for us and why we want guys coming up here is because it is it is nice to see them and it is to help those local shops because a lot of those places aren't your big big box stores especially when you're heading to Baker's Narrows and all those small towns the pond all that stuff it's usually mom and pop shops so 
that's how they make a living. And, and to see in the past couple of years with COVID just trying to shut them down, and it's just so difficult on them. It's, it's, it's tough to see that, right? And a lot of those smaller shops can't sustain that for two, three years for that longevity of time. So it's, it's nice to kind of bring that back and um, to have the tourism kind of peak up again and have, have all those businesses kind of flourishing up again. On a similar note to that, I know Manitoba does a really good job, you know, showcasing a lot of their outfitters and, you know, they have a lot of great resources for finding that kind of stuff. How about some of the, you know, the fishing opportunities we talked about? How is the, you know, Manitoba at, you know, showcasing where to find these fish? You know, do they have stocking data, you know, gill netting? I know different things like that. They do surveys and stuff up there. Do they have that kind of information readily available as well? Yeah, so in regards to uh, stocking, uh, like if you can go to Manitoba Fisheries, they actually post which lakes were stocked or which ponds were stocked. Like uh, we have Reynolds Ponds just a little bit further uh, out east here, and they actually have pond numbers, and they'll actually tell you which type of trout were stocked in there, how many were put in there, how many fingerlings were put in there. So in, in that regard, it's very, very uh, nice and, and controlled in that regard. So if you want to go for a brown trout one day, we'll hit pond seven. If you want to go for tiger trout, hit pond nine. Like So it's it's very nice in that regards, um, and it kind of keeps the sustainability also. Um, same thing with uh, your fisheries and your commercial fishermen. You know, I, I know it's always been a controversy with that for years and years and years, but um, they got gill plate sizing that, the, you know, the smaller ones or the bigger ones will always bounce off the nets and get released. You know, those are the ones that are bringing your big, big eggs and all that stuff and, and reproducing and they only catch a certain limit of sizes and it's very controlled in that regard. So I, I find that Manitoba does a very good uh, job in controlling that and kind of informing um, guys that are in the industry of, of what's going on. And if the numbers are down, then they'll, they'll change it. Like, you know, they made slot size regulations a couple of years ago for Lake Winnipeg and any, any river that's touching. So, you know, if they do see that there's a, a certain misbalance in, in that population, I find that they are pretty proactive in regards to, hey, let's nip this in the butt now instead of being later on down the road and saying, okay, now we've got a big problem. Now we've got to shut down fishing for a couple of years, right? So I find that they're very proactive in that regards rather than being reactive. They do a great job of, of showcasing also the opportunities. I know Hunt Fish Manitoba website, um, a fantastic resource. I mean, if we have listeners that are, contemplating, hey, I didn't make it up to, to Big Windy or I didn't make it up to Baker's Narrows or any, any of the other, you know, locations we talked about, um, they can go to that site and get just a ton of information. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and like I said, like, I think Jay and Clay do a really, really good job in displaying that. And, uh, you know, you watch those guys' videos, they talk about techniques, lures that they're using, where they're finding them. And you reach out to those guys, they're down to earth. Like they're not one of those guys that kind of say, Hey, it's my secret spot. You're not going there. You talk to clay and say, Hey clay, I'm heading up to Athapap. You know, they, they understand that you're not driving 20 minutes around the corner and just going to find fish. You're, you're driving seven hours. Right. So it's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money that you're putting into it. And they want you to be successful. They know that you're not going to take these fish out of the water and, you know, you just want to catch a trophy of a lifetime and make a memory and toss it back in the water. So, I find the guys up here, and, and I've had a lot of guys from the States, hey, you know, heading up here, where's the best bite, where's this? Uh, even in the catfish season, you know, we have a really good catfish, uh, trophy catfish fishing in Lockport, and I've had guys all the time, hey, you know, heading up there with a couple friends just for a week, what's the best place? And I'll tell them, use this, 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 and this in this corner of this section, and they'll text me, thank you very much. It's like, no, as long as you have a good time, that's, that's all it's about, right? So I, I find that a lot of guys are more willing and open to – try this, do this technique and this. So it's, it's kind of, they're helping each other out, right? It's kind of the outdoors. So I think that's kind of helps everything. Okay. Okay. I got to ask you a question personally. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's take Lake Winnipeg out of here, right? Okay. Is that, okay. We, we've talked a lot about Lake Winnipeg. 
What's your yeah. favorite fish to target? What's your favorite body of water and the way to fish them? What what technique? That's a tough one. It's, you know, I I gotta say big pike at Buffalo Point in March. And it's just huge body of water connecting Lake of the Woods into a mainstream channel and it's a big sharp drop off to five to eight feet. And some days you'll pick up a little 20 inch thing and all of a sudden you've got a 46 inch on your line and it's just tip up fishing. And it's just, you don't know what's on the end of it until you grab that line. So it's just, uh, and, and it's March. It's nice. You know, you sit there, have a barbecue or whatever, you know, it, Lake Winnipeg gets to you sometimes. Like sometimes you need a break from that. It's, it's a, it's, it's a love hate relationship on that lake sometimes. So <laughs> to take a break from it, it's, it's not a bad thing, but yeah, I got to say, uh, you know, even clear water. I said, it's, it's a tough one. Anthony yeah. introduced me to some of that big pike fishing on Lake of the Woods last March. And I tell you okay, what, yeah. you are spot on. Cause that was a, a thrill that I had never experienced before. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And I know exactly. I mean, I've fished the, the Manitoba side up there, uh, Buffalo point Reed river area. And, you know, you get away from a little bit of the, the U S side, the South shore side, and it's a little bit, not quite as congregated. And mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, you hit the right day and the right time of year when those big fish are pushing in. I mean, we had multiple fish over 40 inches in one day. And, you know, it's just one of those things you're sitting out there in, in a sweatshirt and having fun and enjoying the nice weather. So I'm right there with you. That's yeah. uh, up there on the top of my favorite things to do. Just waiting for that next flag to pop up. That's it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Hanging out with your buddies. Yeah, hey, exactly. Let's jump into some ice advice. I'm going to throw a question at you. If you've listened to the episodes uh, so far this season, you know what the question is, right? So we're, we're asking everybody, what's your opinion? 50-inch muskie, 40-inch pike, 30-inch walleye, or then you can step down into the panfish, you know, uh, what do we see? A 15, 16 inch crappie perch or a uh, 11 inch bluegill. You know, I, I heard this question. I was thinking about it today and I'm going to go with the bluegill. Yeah. And the only reason why is I've seen a lot of bluegill in that 12 to 13, 12 to 14 range area numbers. Yes. But 15s, I don't know how, many reach that size and and to be honest we don't have a large population up here so i, I it's not it's not something that i'm keen on um crappies i picked up 15 and a half so they're there um walleyes i picked up a 30 so it's there yeah uh, sorry kyle uh <laughs> but um yeah i i think just the the bluegill i i don't know if it's a very common thing to reach that size and, and you guys could could Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you on the bluegills. I mean, to get that trophy caliber, I mean, the the difference, and we've talked about it before, from a, say a nine and a half to a ten and a half inch bluegill is is significant. But above and beyond that ten and a half to that eleven inch threshold, I mean, it's just they're kind of a freak, and you know, mm -hmm. there's not too many bodies of water that can support that size and structure and you know, it's an old fish. I know we've talked to biologists in the past and, you know, it's a 10, 15, 20 year old fish based on what body of water it's in. And I mean, it just takes so long for those fish to grow to that size. What's the biggest that's been caught out there that you know of? In terms bluegill? of a bluegill? Yeah. I mean, I know of some 12s, you know, but I, 
I'd be hard pressed to think of anything in this area that's been been over that mark. I mean, yeah. you kind of hear that's like the unicorn out there is a twelve inch bluegill, but yeah, that's yeah. that's a twelve inch bluegill. Oh, looks okay, showing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't have a thirty inch walleye, but it's okay. So you got a twelve. That's you got the unicorn on the wall, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what's your personal? Like the the trophy you are you kind of hold in highest regard, uh, and you've caught thirty plus inch walleyes. You caught that forty six inch pike. Um, in your mind, what species or what size fish is it that you've caught that that really holds that top spot? You know, the only one I'm gonna I, the one that kind of has a special memory for me is that forty six inch pike, and uh, reason being was and. and it's it's funny we all focus on the size and the, the the fish and all that stuff but at the end of the day it's the story in my opinion and uh you know it, it was me and me and my buddy alexi up north in athapap and we fished hard for lakers for a couple of days and we had no big biters and we had we saw them all day long and it was just kind of the end of our trip and we said you know what let's just give it a last for all we'll check this stream out you know put a couple tip us for a couple hours and flag goes up we thought nothing of it and we fought this thing for a good 20 minutes it comes out and it was just it just surprised us and then uh yeah ultra canada reached out to me and it went on the the front cover ultra canada and and my dad was an avid reader of the magazine so once he kind of saw it it kind of it kind of touched a little special place in his heart so he kind of brought a tinkle in his eye so i said you know that was kind of the more of the memory for me and the whole story behind that and uh yeah, you know, c- catching all other big fish, absolutely. Everything's a great time and a great memory, but uh, that kind of just kind of solidified a, a more deeper feeling for that one. For sure. Yeah. All right, next question that we got from one of our listeners that we uh, throw at all of our guests, and I know I'll get Kyle's input as well, but their question to us this week was, what is the biggest key for staying warm on the ice? And I, I think it's timely with the, the cold weather coming, but – in your opinion, what's the biggest key for you to staying warm on the ice? Flipovers. <laughs> flip Shelters. It's, yep. it's got to be flipover. Like, it's got to be if, – if you're coming and you're doing the running gun kind of thing, setting up a bigger tent in high winds is that's – a, that's a tough one up here. So, you know, if you got a flip over, you can set that thing up. I got a video I did it in 11 seconds. It pops up super quick and that heater's on right away and you're staying warm constantly. Um, sure, any type of heater is good. That's obviously a plus. Uh, but I, I just think to have that shelter uh, hide away from the wind and just even if you just want to warm up for a few minutes, you pop that thing up, you warm up a little bit and then you can still go running gun. Uh, yeah, to, to set up the the bigger stuff and, and the heater and and big big setup big teardown right so that's kind of my mm-hmm. philosophy yeah. so uh if you're looking for a really rigid minus 40 day and you just want to head out there and, and fish quick a lot of guys do fishing from the truck but eh, you know it, you're, you're limited to movement too right so if you're if you're looking to explore the lake and explore out there and kind of hide from the areas i think shelters and flip-ups are your big your big big thing kyle what would you say what's your key to staying warm out on the ice well, I can't argue with Johnny. That's, that's, I mean, that's great advice. Uh, maybe what I would add to that is a couple of the things that I do to make sure that, that I'm not going to get cold because once you get cold, right, then it's, it's tough to get back. You know, I always have disposable hand warmers. 
my son, my son-in-law, they know that when Christmas time comes, they're going to get a package of disposable hand warmers in their stocking, right? You know, that's just, you can't have too many of those things. So those are always good. That's number one, you know, dress in layers. We've heard that lots of times, yeah. dress in layers. But that the, maybe the one thing that some people don't do is um, my feet sweat terrible. And, and when they sweat, right, they get, you get that moisture in there and all of a sudden they're more susceptible to the cold. So I, I go to the, the drug store, the, the grocery store, wherever it might be. And I buy a little stick of the, you know, antiperspirant that you can get, you know, just it doesn't matter what the brand is, but, um, I have that one separate in my boot bag and I, I smear that all over my feet in the morning before I put my socks and stuff on and it's not a hundred percent cure all, but I tell you what, it does make, it does make a difference if you're not sweating a lot and, uh, help keep your feet just a little bit warmer. A little, a little tip from uh, first responders, uh, medical gloves underneath your winter gloves. Medical gloves, like, like the, uh, latex. The latex. Yep. Yeah. So what it is, is that your, your, the cold is the, is the actually the moisture evaporating from your skin. So when you got those latex gloves on and super tight, they actually doesn't allow that. So it doesn't allow the air to circulate. So then that kind of just keeps that contained. And then you're it's just a little thing we learned outside. <laughs> so, That's <laughs> great that advice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely something I'm going to have to try. I always yeah. kind of go kind of with <laughs> Kyle is, you know, keeping your hands and your feet warm is kind of the key for me to like, you know, like you said, keeping your feet dry, you know, using moisture wicking socks, I mm -hmm. think is a really big key. Don't just go out there in a pair of cotton socks. It's going to probably ruin your day if it's really cold out there. Yeah. And, and then keeping your hand warm, like Kyle said, you know, hand warmers. I like to run a thin glove with a mitt over it. If it's really cold, at least then you can take and slide that off and you keep your feet and your hands, hands warm. It usually kind of can extend or prolong your day before you get too cold. With layering, uh, merino wool has come a long way, and that's kind of your bread and butter right now. Like, it's kind of the same stuff I wear when hunting. So mm -hmm. it's, it's light, it wicks moisture away, and it, even if it gets wet, it's still warm. So that's kind of – and it's super light underneath your clothes. You don't even feel it. So I think find that's a good bottom layer to, to layer on top of everything. So I'm going to try the latex glove thing. And yeah. if, uh, <laughs> honestly, if for no other reason, I want to see the look on my buddy's faces when I snap that latex glove well, on. You look like a doctor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It might help by the end of the day too. keep some of that smell off of your hands. Yep. I mean, yeah, might make eating your lunch and potato chips a little easier when you can take the latex glove off. Exactly. Well, what Johnny, uh, anything else, Kyle, that you wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap things up this evening? Well, I know we could talk for a week straight on Manitoba, honestly, yeah. <laughs> and so appreciate uh, visiting and, and just uh, getting some of your insight out there, especially on the bite this year. That's great information. That's a great tip. Uh, Anthony, are you planning any trips to Manitoba this winter? I know I'm heading up there, I think, in about three weeks. Yeah, nothing on the books yet. Uh, it's not ruling it out. Uh, as part of our competition, it's U.S. waters only. So it's ah. kind of one of those things where if I'm heading up there, I mean, I'm probably going to catch some big walleyes, but they won't count towards the competition. So and we'll, the green back we'll see. Notice, the greenback will notice right away. That is yeah, there, they'll so. probably <laughs> notice right away. So uh, we'll see. I, I do plan. To, I'd like to get up there. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe if we get a big lead or something, maybe we'll have to sneak up there for a weekend. But Well, if not... I know that the two of us would be happy to send you pictures of those big green monsters. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. 
All right. Well, I think we'll probably wrap things up. Gianni, again, thanks for joining us on Shack Talk. If anybody has questions, um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or the team up there to to ask you guys for any advice? Yeah, you know what, guys, just uh, on Instagram, just send me a send me a direct message, and I can help you out in whatever regards you want. If it's uh, accommodations, fishing, tips, anything like that, summer, open water, ice water, doesn't matter. Just uh, let me know, and I'll uh, I'll send one right back at you, and I'll always I'll always give you tips or whatever uh, whatever the hot bite is here. And your handle on Instagram, that's uh, Gianni Balboa. Yep. 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 Perfect. Um, Again, thanks for joining us tonight. I know we'll be in contact uh, as the season rolls on. I'm sure Kyle will be looking for some hot intel before they come up there and (laughs) Uh, uh, get some of that from you. And looking forward to seeing more of the pictures from uh, from you and the team up there. It's a a special place that you guys have. And, you know, we love to come up and visit and enjoy the, the opportunities that exist up there and, um, really just looking forward to my next trip up there and, and having some fun. So, again, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, thanks to Eskimo for uh, allowing us to have these great guests and pick their brain and get more info and sharing it with all the great listeners. Um, hope everybody had a good chance to enjoy some information on Manitoba. If you haven't been up there, add it to your trip list. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that's uh, until you do it, you don't know what you're missing. And once you do, you probably keep adding that trip to the to the calendar for every year. So, Um, Again, thanks to uh, Johnny for joining us. Uh, For everyone else, we'll uh, talk to you in a week. Get out, enjoy some fishing, have fun, and be safe. Pleasure, guys. Thank you.